Welcome everyone to the first episode of Points of Connection. My name is Christian Santamaria, and I'm the Assistant Director for Retreats and Pilgrimages at the University of Notre Dame in the Office of Campus Ministry. Now, if you're anything like me, the past few weeks have been a time of grappling with moments of feeling confused amidst moments of relief. Worry followed by community, moments of calm followed by confusion. All of it, blessings and brokenness living together. So what happens when two things that don't go together have to somehow be held in tension? That's our podcast, our intentional attempt to hold things that don't seem to go together in the context of faith. This is Points of Connection. On this week's episode of Points of Connection, we're looking at two things that don't go together that we're all too familiar with nowadays, solitude and community. I'm joined by my friend, JJ Wright. JJ, how are you? I'm doing well, Christian. How are you? Good, man. Um, We are all grappling with this tension between solitude and community, where we're finding ourselves alone, but also longing to be connected to those which we love. What has this tension been like in your family nowadays? Uh, I would say overall, it's been pretty intense. Um, you know, each each day is kind of its own new adventure because, uh, you know, we're, we're homeschooling the kids and um, my wife and I are both still working. So uh, finding the balance when, when the expectations are in some ways much, much higher um, has definitely been a challenge. So in, in the time that uh, this pandemic has kind of um, really exploded, your life isn't less busy. It's actually seemingly more full. That's the way it looks to me. I mean, it's like you're saying, uh, there are these times of very, very intense engagement, like especially when I'm, I'm doing, the home, doing the kids' homework with them or, um, or, or hosting a Zoom meeting, um, which I, I haven't done before. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things sit next to... Uh, evenings where I would normally be at rehearsal with the full choir. Uh, and instead I, I don't have any, um, responsibility. And, and so then I'm faced with these, uh, sort of lingering questions of like, I ought to be doing something, but I'm not. And, uh, I, you know, it's definitely been challenging to, to try to think about how to respond. You describe something that's interesting because I think in our culture, when we think about or we have to consider being separated or pulled apart or being uh, not in the context of communities that we typically find ourselves in, the words that we often use are isolation and loneliness. And in the times in which we've been talking about this, there there have actually been moments of great presence, uh, great awareness of self and of place. I'm reminded of a quote from uh, Thomas Merton in his in one of his books. He talks about true solitude is the home of the person and false solitude is the refuge of the individualist. Mm. So that we're, we're in a time now that isn't necessarily uh, just about being lonely or separated. It's a chance for us to be home in the person that we are. I think that's the real opportunity that's kind of definitely right in front of, of me as I'm walking forward. And I, I hope that we can share this opportunity um, because, you know, as you alluded to, we want to, we want to discuss what the, maybe what the balance is between yeah. community and solitude. And um, I think so much of our conception of community, at least the way that I've been I've been noticing in myself is that uh, 
I feel like as long as I'm around people, I'm in community. Right on. Yeah. That presumption is, is, uh, it's on some shaky ground, I think. Well, and I think this is what the gift of solitude brings, uh, at least in my life now. Maybe I am surrounded by a lot of people during other periods of my life, but there's this certain sense of self uh, these last couple weeks of kind of being alone and having to hold that aloneness uh, in the context of solitude. There's something about the solitude I've experienced that has actually rooted me in something deeper than just like, hey, I want to be around people so I feel better, or I want to be um, uh, around people because I'm extroverted, but really I'm just running away from the truth of who I am, that these last few days, these last few weeks have really given me a chance to remember who I am, not what I do. Does that make sense? Absolutely, man. And I, I that just that resonated with me because I, I it's really easy for me um especially running back and forth between work and home and school with the kids and um, to put the communities themselves that I'm constantly interacting with into boxes. And it's like, okay, I'll go get my home time now. I'll get my work time. And then I'll, and I think being in this, this house every day with my wife and my kids, like um, so much of what makes community work in, in an integrated way is the sense that we are working together towards a shared goal. Mm. This has been an opportunity to really appreciate my wife because she, you know, as soon as it started to look like um, this stuff was going to happen and and school was going to be canceled for the kids, she just went straight into, um, we need to figure out how we're going to organize the day for the kids. It's interesting her response to the situation wasn't, I think at the surface, it might seem like, oh, she's trying to fix the situation. But as I'm listening to you, there's an openness to the messiness of what's about to happen, that we have to somehow hold messiness, incompleteness uh, in some sort of tension so that we can be together authentically. This is sort of the the, the point of admiration that I had, because it it's certainly not less messy because we have a plan each day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's, you know, the house is a disaster. The kids are running around and doing their stuff. And, um, but there's a sense in which we are grounded in what our shared work is. And that thing kind of, that, that idea, it sort of cuts right through the noise of the mess in a sense. But, but I think that's what you, what you just described is why solitude is so scary or being alone is so scary for people. You just said we have to kind of be okay with the messiness. When solitude isn't available in that way, uh, most of our life is just trying to make things not messy, not, not mm-hmm. like trying to make it as clean as possible. And in a time when the only option we have is either loneliness or actually entering into solitude, which is to enter fully back into who we are as messy people – there seems to be a freedom to love in that situation that isn't necessarily granted when we aren't rooted in this place of solitude. Yeah. So how has that solitude looked for you? In my life, in my life, that's not um, prior to this global pandemic. And I even laugh to myself. I mean, it's a terrible situation that what's that's going on, but I laugh to myself that it took a global pandemic for me to understand this. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I've been thinking about that idea because it's, it's like the, in some ways it's the ultimate 
uh, ego aggrandizement <laughs> and disillusion at the same time. Mm. Like I somehow feel feel like I was carrying so much that I may have even caused it to happen. Mm. You know, it's, it's absolutely yes, absurd. Yes. And I think that's what, I, what I'm saying is like, it took a global pandemic for me to put on hold and actually remember who I am. Again, I go back to the example of cooking eggs or even just watching my fiance do a puzzle. And to, I, I think in the beginning times uh, of, of this experience, I'm like, who has time for a puzzle? And And then I thought, we do. We have time for a yeah. puzzle now. And it, yeah. it, it's it, that my life isn't oriented always to an outcome. It's simply to be. And I, yeah. I, I think in this time, how I think solitude calls me to community is whether I recognize it or not, this consistent need to produce uh, this kind of standard I held for myself, I end up holding other people to that. And I actually don't love them in, in, in the fullness that I can, because I don't see them for who they are, people who are able to do puzzles. I see them for what can you provide me to allow my productivity uh, to happen more efficiently or to happen more quickly, rather than like seeing people for who they are. My inability to sit with myself prevented me from actually being in community with other people. In our next segment, we're gonna bring on Father Pete McCormick, Director of Campus Ministry, and he'll talk about his experience with solitude its connections to community, and how he has been called to love. Stick with us. You're listening to Points of Connection. Welcome to part two of our podcast, Points of Connection. I'm here with Christian Santa Maria, and we're now joined by Father Pete McCormick, who is the director of Campus Ministry. Great to have you here, Father Pete. Hey, JJ. Thanks so much, Christian. It's great to be with you guys. Hey, Father Pete, uh, many uh, students don't know this, but uh, as part of being a Holy Cross priest, you've actually had your fair share of solitude. So in formation, there's a whole year that you guys spend in solitude in Colorado. Is that right? That's right. In the last segment, um, we uh, kind of talked a little bit about a quote from Thomas Merton, where he talks about solitude, where true solitude is the home of the person and false solitude is the refuge of the individualist. And you talk so deeply about how solitude essentially is calling you to love. Uh, At least in my experience uh, with solitude, I've had to befriend some of the the darker voices within me. And sometimes for for me, it's it's a perfectionism. It's a need uh, to perform. um, It's unworthiness, not enoughness. These are the names of my uh, kind of uh, friends that I've had to encounter in the midst of solitude. What were some of the people, what were some of those in your, in your time in the novitiate or in times of solitude today? What are the names of those uh, harder voices that you've had to befriend? Yeah, it's a, such a great question, Christian. And I appreciate the chance to talk about it. It's like the first one I would say was, this was never my plan. Um, and so I had a vision for what my life was going to look like, and it did not look like that. Mm. Um, and so even though all the way back to my sophomore year in high school, I had felt a deep call to become a priest. Um, I wrestled, I wrestled so hard with this particular notion. Um, one of the great concerns I had was, is, is like, this will never be my family. Holy Cross will never be my family. I will always um, miss my family from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And and what I found over the arc of that was, is that in letting go of, of my own understanding of hey, actually, there's a different plan here, and, and God's got something cooked up that I can't even imagine myself. 
real blessings began to happen. But I had to let go of my own expectations for what my future was going to look like, my own desire to control (laughs) that reality, um, and also my own woundedness in terms of like, I'm not a perfect person. I can get a bit too emotional at times, which affects my judgment. I can, um, (laughs) what's the list? Uh, you know, I can, I can find that in the midst of those struggles that no one really understands the particular situation that I'm going through. And then finally the piece is, is like, how can every, anyone of a community outside my own family, which is kind of obligated to, to know and love me, um, really want to accept me for who I am. I think that's why solitude is so scary is like, (laughs) or being, or at the very least this, because being alone, the only words that we can use are loneliness and isolation. When we're alone and we have to face those things, we, it seems like we have to face them alone. But when we've been talking about solitude where yes, solitude invites us to face that, but not alone, actually within the context of community in hopes to love more authentically. Solitude and loneliness have, are like cousins in some ways, right? That there's a similar quality to them. There, there's an element of, of doing the work internally. Um, but the way I would distinguish the two from one another is that loneliness is, is, is a, a real feeling of the absence of another, whereas solitude, um, it, it, it is actually, in my mind, almost a verb. It's an action item that by, by engaging in solitude, you're, you're doing the work of going deeper into one's own self. And from that solitude, we actually are able to then bring to bear the fruits of who we've discovered ourselves to be. And so I think that solitude gets a bad rap here because, oh, that person's a loner or that person, well, that person's doing the internal work. Um, you know, the greatest, the greatest mystery that we will ever, ever unfold is, is how God has created us in love and how we can share that. The, the interesting thing is, is you, you spend all this time in formation kind of Right. In a sense, in a sense, it, it, it could sound like you're getting ready for something, but in reality, you're you're cultivating a way of being. Right. And so true, JJ. So in this time, like so what what are you called to do then once you leave this this formation period? And like, is it then time to make your own community or it, you know, you live in a residence hall and all the residents yeah. are gone. Yeah. So how how does that look now? You know what? I, I've, I've been thinking about this. Um, I'll give you a little sense of, of kind of the world I walk in. So uh, right now, it's myself and the, the rector of the hall, Stanford Hall, uh, that, that are we the only two people living in a building that's built for about 240. Um, and so sometimes just to kind of get a break from the monotony, I go out into the hallway and just walk on phone calls or whatever the case might be. And there are memorials to these guys and the fact that, you know, our life pivoted almost on a dime. Like I walked down the hallway and the dude's random shoes are still sitting out (laughs) right outside their room or the randomness of the things that they wrote on their whiteboards, assuming that their buddy was going to see them when they got back a couple of days later, it's all still here. Yeah. So I, they're, they're, they're memorials to a life that was. Um, and I think also of a life that will be, I've been thinking about in this moment about, um, really then, what is this particular time inviting me to, to contemplate upon and go deeper with, to be frankly grateful for when 
really weird noises happen outside my door at really unideal <laughs> times. Like normally I'm like eye roll. Oh my gosh. Cause my door is right off of a stairwell. And I always think, but you know what I wouldn't do right now for someone just to bark something crazy outside my door. Um, but, but it, it's, it's these moments of my, the depth of my gratitude has gone up for the things that I completely took for granted. Yeah, it's so interesting because earlier we were talking about the the opportunity that this pandemic yeah. presents, and it, it feels almost uh, wrong to say that. But right. at the same time, um, and, and you've mentioned it, this this idea that I we all have this invitation to find what is in this opportunity for solitude right now um, in a different way than we would if if things were just proceeding as normal. Have you have you found any nuggets that you know, that, uh, that you're interested in going deeper with. Yeah. Yeah. JJ, that's, that's the funny part about this whole thing is that, um, it's, it changes so fast. I think right now I'm at a point of realizing within myself that I'm still grieving if I'm perfectly honest. Mm. Um, and, and what I'm, what I'm moving towards is, a, a sense of, of acceptance of this is the new normal, but what, what the grief keeps catching me off guard. Yeah. So that the first couple of weeks when we made this change, you know, like every night I just go and, and, and try to read and keep up to date with all that was going on. And, and every time I was like, certainly it's going to stop here. Certainly we're going to, but no. And so I, the, the grief of mourning what's been lost, that's what I've been working on really actively. But the insight that I've had over the course of the past 24 hours has been, this grief is going to move towards some degree of acceptance and, and the degree to which I can move towards that, um, trusting that that God's grace is present there. You know, like the beauty of of how it is that that we we know we know the love of God, that it's it's within us, it's amongst us. So if this is if this is where we're at, this is where God's at. That's a, there was a question I got when I was in college from one of my spiritual directors. And it was a time in my life, I was about 19 years old, where I was asking these kind of bigger questions in life and trying to figure out, like, will I ever live up to the potential that, that God hopes for me? Will I ever right. become who God wants me to be? And my spiritual director, his words echoed, especially in this time now. He said to me, I want you to actually consider what if, what if all of those talents and all those gifts and all your plans, what if they don't happen? And it's just you being loved by God. Is that enough? <laughs> right. And, and, and I think there is a time in which uh, we can talk about God loves us and I want to live in the reality of God's love. And solitude, at least in this time, I, I really appreciate you saying grief. I'm grieving the fact that I don't know yet if it's enough and I have to learn, hey, is it enough? I think that's so right on the money, Christian. You know, and, and we... We oftentimes spend a lot of times building ourselves up with these things to say, like, at least I have this, right? And 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 there might be aspects of my life that are unresolved, but at least I have. Well, what happens when when those things made of man uh, fade away, as we have seen happen all over the place? Then who are we then? And and what I really think is an awesome opportunity for us is to go exactly to your point: are we are we willing to? go back to the fact that our dignity is inherently rooted in God. That's what gives us our, our worth, our value, and our meaning, and our purpose, period. 
for for any fruit to come of this, uh, I think that's the, the the really pivotal question. Am I willing to accept who I am when all of what I think is necessary to be loved is stripped away? What happens when uh, what happens when when you get lonely? Like, wh- what yeah. are the practices that you have when when solitude is hard to access? Yeah. So if I'm if I'm dealing with loneliness, which is which is a, I think an aspect of all of our lives in in one way, shape, or form, what I what I'd really try to do is is to think about the people that I know and love in my life, to think about all of the the individuals who have just been blessings to me, and and even the memory of those people has a way of of transforming uh, my own existence. I think about any number of folks who have um, been there and been examples, and that oftentimes can can stir me to be reminded that um, uh, that I'm not alone in this. But I also think that that affords me to a chance to say, all right, hey, hey, let's back up here. Is there a way to reimagine this period of isolation as an opportunity for, for going deeper? And, and I keep coming back to the imagery because I love it, that there's, there's a depth that unfolds within us if we allow it. Um, and, and we're constantly getting to that core of who we are. And, and oftentimes our world, and frankly, we ourselves, you know, create, create some obstacles that that we have to work through and around in order to get to that core. But that work is, is worthy and worthwhile. And it, it, it takes the time to know that we are loved and then to, to act upon kind of accessing the depth of that love. If I'm honest with myself, I think the scariest part of this whole process that I've actually had to befriend is I don't have immunity to the coronavirus and neither does anyone else. So it kind of like, for me, it like leveled the playing field. There isn't, uh, I'm better than you because I'm able to produce more. No, no, no. Like we're all in this together. And at some point in my past, I might have forgotten that. Mm. I might have forgotten that we're all not immune to suffering. And yeah. somehow uh, my ability to produce allows me to somehow convince myself that I'm immune to suffering when actually I'm not. Yeah. And neither are you. And so for me, like, I hope this, sol- this time of solitude points me to understand more deeply what community is. It's an intentional space, right, to, to hold one another's incompleteness. When I hear you talk about how uh, your wife kind of handled the situation with the kids, it's a holding place for unknowing. Mm-hmm. It's a holding place for incompleteness. Right. Isn't that, for me, when I look back at times where I've experienced community the most, it's been people who are willing to hold unknowing with me. It's one of the most loving things people could do or have done it for my life up to this point. Father Pete, thanks so much for joining us today uh, and helping us hold intention, solitude, and community. Thanks for joining us today on Points of Connection. Uh, we hope our time together has brought some solitude and community into your life. I'm Christian Santa Maria on behalf of JJ Wright. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time on Points of Connection. This is Points of Connection, a production of Campus Ministry at the University of Notre Dame.